Luck on Sunday, proudly sponsored by Albasti Ecruel Dubai. Uh, interesting group this week. We'll start with contamination of racecourse stables at Southall, where there was some blood-stained material found in the shavings. And trainer Mark Johnston, quite understandably, quite unhappy about this. Racecourses have been fined for similar infractions before. And Mark's point was, well, if our standards of biosecurity are expected to be so high, then surely the BHA and the racecourses need to maintain similar standards of biosecurity. Ben, just talk us through what you would expect from racecourse stables. So obviously when you know, we're doing everything we can at home to keep horses healthy, um, the last thing you want to do is send them to the racecourse and be put into a stable which might be contaminated by a horse that was previously in there that might not have been 100% healthy. So obviously it's a huge concern that they found you know, blood-stained shavings or paper, I can't remember what it was, um, in that stable. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think they, 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 they clean out and thoroughly disinfect any stable which has had a horse that's been track-washed or scoped after the race or had any medication, etc. But it's, it's a big question because, you know, these race courses are, I can see from their point of view, they are working with a budget. Mm. And if they completely remove every single stable of all their shavings, of all their paper, one, it's a huge waste, and two, it's a huge cost. You know, to bed up a stable, it's 25, 30 quid. So then there'll be complaints that there's not enough bedding in there and horses are getting, you know, injured in the boxes or whatever have you. Have you. But ultimately... The it does come first that we're putting our horses into healthy stables, so there's got to be something talked about and, and probably done. Joe, yeah, I totally agree. I mean, you know, I, I think that if you pick a virus up, nine times out of ten it's come from a race yeah. course. So, so you can't you can't necessarily odds that, but um, you, you, the, the stables need to be clean from our point of view. Um, and and, it, and it, basically the race course. I think I think with the jump tracks there's a bigger gap, so so it's easier. But like with the likes of Southall and and they have more more frequent meetings, mm. um, but it needs to be addressed and, and sorted. Maddie, yeah, obviously it's to do with communication between the staff and the race course to ensure it's either given a level one or a level two clean. Um, but we did see with equine flu how contagious these things are. You mentioned you know colds and anything else horses can pick up. So. We've clearly got to take it very, very seriously to avoid that happening again. But you don't tend to hear about it that often, I wouldn't say. And Mark Johnson was understanding, I think, of the practicalities of it, but I think right to point it out. Tom Queeley, here's a man uh, reinventing himself a little as a, a jumps jockey. He has a, 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 background, a background where he'd be you know, fully entitled to, to be, to be fair. But obviously he's had a very good career on the flat since. It's slowed down a bit the last two or three years. But he's, um, he's having a good time of things, uh, Maddie. the he first is. few rides over jumps. He is, um, and fair play to him. I think one of the great things about racing is not only we get men and women competing on a level footing, but also that jockeys can go from one code to the other. We've seen Jim Crowley do it, we've seen Graham Lee do it, and now Tom Queeley's trying his hand. Why not? It's brilliant. Exactly, and given the fact that his career on the flat was slowing down, it was good at one point, not so good at another point, this is, offers him another another lifeline really yes brilliant and i always think you know my experience of jumps and flat boys you know they're sort of two different breeds in many respects in the fact that a lot of the flat guys wouldn't even entertain the idea of race riding over hurdles and fences but there's a there's a there's a small group of the the flat boys that are hmm. that, that are mad for the jump racing and and they've probably done just as much sort of 
education in their younger days over uh, jumping and eventing and hunting and whatever have you. I mean, Eddie Ahern was mad for his hunting. They, they, they're all, they actually, they probably almost miss that element. And it's great to see Tom coming back because he's a, he's a hugely talented horseman. And one thing is, is when you've come from the flat, they're sharp as a needle as well. Their tactics mm. and, 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 and their strength and stuff, they're so, they're very, yeah, very he, good. he might change his mind when he's had two or three mother yeah. and father or something yeah. <laughs> and, and they kick him. But um, <laughs> good on him. He's, I don't know him personally, but he, they say he's a good boy and, um, and he'll have his chance. But... He'll um, that will determine it. Whether it, how how well he bounces, you know, it's, it's easy to go the opposite way. But you you get kicked a few times, he might he might change his <laughs> mind. Yeah, yeah. It's not hard to see why, for financial and other reasons, more jockeys have gone have gone that way. The only plus with the jumping is you don't have to watch your weight. You crack yeah, on. There's actually no problem there for him. Well, he certainly wouldn't anyway. No. Um, right, that's uh, Tom Queenie. Good luck to you, Tom. And I uh, hope that the, the jumping venture, even if it is a, a dual one or a temporary one, is a, is a success. Uh, Hogan, well, this is the Wolverhampton story of the young apprentice rider who stole a march on his rivals, and the BHA are going to have a look into this for integrity purposes. Do they need to look into it? Yeah, I think they should look into as many incidents similar to this as, as possible, and I, I think they do. Um, my take-out from this was simply it was an apprentice race, he gave his horse a good ride, the others perhaps didn't. But it highlights sectional timing and mm. getting your timing spot on. And if you look at uh, jockeys like Tom Marquand, he's in Australia now, I think Kieran Fallon spent some time in America recently. Other racing jurisdictions tend to be a little bit more sectionals-based traditionally, um, and that's a benefit. So I'd say to these jockeys, if they get a chance to, to do that, that's clearly going to help them out. Yeah, it's interesting because uh, Simon Rowland's got a sectional timing expert, uh, marked out, where the jockey should have been on par times for that distance, and in fact they should have been much closer to the leader than they, they were, you know, about furlong behind. So it was it was clearly just error in those in yeah. the chasing pack, wasn't it? Joe, you'll be able to comment more because you've ridden much more than any of us. But to me, the leader was never doing too much, and he was, you know, he was just in a lovely rhythm, setting his own pace. And I, I, I spoke to Mark Johnson once, and someone said to him, you know. Your horses make a lot of you make running a lot, and they said, no, no, they just go the gallop they want to go because they're comfortable in that in that rhythm, and and it's it, it's an inspiring ride. Everyone should be admiring the fella for it. Yeah, they, I think it's it's more the the guys that were second or third. Probably nobody wanted to be that second or third person, and they were kind of looking at each other, asking who was going to mm. like make up make up the ground in between. It was um, it's just one of those things that. Apprentice got caught out, in my opinion, and um, and there's nothing there's nothing untoward with it at all. I don't think. If you have a, a race restricted to two fairly inexperienced apprentices, every so often you'll mm -hmm. get something like this happening. Yeah, I think that's you know it's, we're bound to see it happen. It doesn't again. It's one of those things. It doesn't happen all that often, but we can forgive the jockeys in behind, and uh, hopefully they'll learn from it. Okay, let's oh, five day festival. Oh dear. <laughs> well, I. Well, we removed this essentially from the list, and then the conversation started. Philip Hobbs earlier in the week, and then Nicky Henderson, and then I said, "Oh, should we not go round again with the five-day festival?" But then we all started talking about it in the office before we came on air. So I thought, "Well, you know, you've got something to say, then you may as well say it, Joe." Yeah, I'm not I'm not against it. Um, I can see people's points that it's um, what races are we gonna gonna bring into it? But it, essentially, if they go back to a six. Six race card. They've only got to find a couple. Um, I, I, I'm for it. You know, 
Dad won't be able to handle five days of the festival. He might have a day off in the middle, but, but I'm all for it. The more, more racing there is, the more mm. better for commercially is, um, is a viable thing, and, and, and we'll support it. There we go. We've now got Hobbs. Henderson, now Tizard, Maddie. Yeah. There's the headline for tomorrow. All the leading trainers lining up behind the five-day fairs. Exactly, and it's another opportunity to win a Cheltenham Festival race, isn't it? I think it's it's quite simple. Commercially, from a money perspective, it makes a lot of sense. You'd think it would sell out. It would do awfully well. Personally, from my perspective, I'm just not so sure. I think the Cheltenham Festival should be really, really special. Um, I know you wouldn't have to add that many races, but then again, if it is six race cards, that's perhaps not great value for the punter. Um, and I think maybe just keep it as elite as we can. I think there's a couple of races that exist now that don't necessarily need to be there. Ben, I'm, I'm, I'm not marg. I haven't got a really strong opinion, but I would personally rather keep it at four. Um, I do think it's the pinnacle of our sport. I think you can dilute it, and it's only another couple of races, they say, but it's another couple of races that will take away from somewhere like Sandown. If they put a veteran's chase in, you know, that's Sandown's No, I, I don't, that's one thing I don't and like, I, is the idea of it, a veteran's that, chase. But Nick, if it does go five days, that is what will happen. What about on a Saturday? What about yeah, having yeah. races? I understand that from a sort of working just, person's perspective, ending on a Saturday. What I, we think, think? I think there's a lot of people, I know it makes sense financially and it allows people to have more winners but four days is long enough people go hard they enjoy it five makes it a real struggle and i just don't know if they enjoy it as much uh, it's been a an important week as regards the perception of gambling a lot of newspapers have led with this um and richard hoyles yesterday on the opening show on itv talked about the, whoever is nick russ success will come to nick russ at the moment appreciating the need to um, take the take the pulse of wider society and its view on on gambling and addiction and the NHS senior figures within the NHS have reached out to gambling companies um, this week. Uh, where are we at with this, Ben? Well, I mean, we're just at the stage now where I, I see in the Telegraph today that it's, it's, it's the booking co uh, betting companies have taken. Um, data information on children aged as low as 14 uh, and, and up in, in order to verify their age. That's what I can decipher from the, from the main of it, is actually it's, it's age verification. Um, but obviously there's concern with a lot of people about the fact that, firstly, this is sort of data protection and, and, and this is information that's come from sort of social records and, and education records as well and, and obviously that does open the door to there being information held by betting companies of people when they turn 18 and are they then going to be targeted I don't know what truth there is in 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 the whole thing at the moment at the moment is 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 the question uh, before we all start making judgments I don't personally know enough about it I've read the article this morning and that's what I've given as mm. much as I can. The senior figures within the NHS now, writing to gambling companies, warning of the danger of, of addiction, um, you know, advocating that they, they're mm. stronger on, on yeah. responsible gambling. Well, the whole culture is changing. Yeah, and that, uh, that letter that we had published was very strongly worded. Um, there's new NHS centre in Sunderland being opened, so that's obviously brilliant. Big week for the betting industry on a whole. Credit cards, of course, yeah. no longer going to be able to bet through those. I think that's a positive move. There's still work to be done, but I think um, the statistics show that a lot of people gamble safely. 
and uh, as you yourself said, I think yeah. we need to be wary of not alienating people too much. Well, I, I, my point earlier in the week was that I don't think the race. I think the racing industry, whilst promoting responsible gambling, should be very, very wary of, of joining in a sort of mass demonisation of the gambling industry. Just be be quite mindful of of what you wish for, jumping on a on what you feel is is the way that society is moving, even if it isn't necessarily the case. We'll talk a bit more with Wilf Walsh about that when he joins us in a few moments' time. Name changes. Now, this is sparked by a column from former uh, Racing Post editor and now columnist Bruce Millington, who uh, was rather bemoaning some of the, the, the French names uh, that pervade particularly national hunt racing and was saying that Connection should have the option of changing those names when they come to, to Britain. And that, do you know what? It, it got quite a snotty response, this, this article. But I'm... I'm kind of with Bruce here. I think people do struggle to identify with with some of the names of the horses that that, that come over, and and, and yeah, I, I, I take his point, Ben. Well, yes and no. I mean, a horse's name is a horse's name, um, and I think if a horse becomes, it's very funny with naming of horses. You'll say, "Oh, the good horses never have bad names." Well, that's only because you've heard them so many times you've become used to them, you know, and. You know, there's there's various different names, but especially with the French, obviously it has to start with the letter given by that year. Yeah, but only if they're only if they're AQPS bred, not if they're thoroughbred thoroughbreds. Right. Well, I didn't even know that part, so um, it's I don't know. It, name changing, you can do it if 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 you want to in many respects, but it's seen as bad luck and whatever have you. Not in Hong Kong, it's not Maddie, is it? Mm, they change no. the names all the time. Exactly, and I think some people, as an owner, I don't know what your owners would say. Are they entitled to be able to change that name? It's not a thing that I have a massive sort of stance on. Um, I can see it's nice to keep the heritage of a name that a horse was given, um, but equally. If owners are wanting to do that, then I can I can see where they're coming from. Certainly, would your you would your owners want to choose? I don't think you can change it after it's run, can you? No, you, no, you can't. Um, I think if you're going to buy a horse, some names might put the odd owner off. But mm. from our point of view, we, we don't it's mind. Name. It's a name. But you've got you, yours are great. Cue card, lost in translation, thistle crack, native river, elegant escape. Yeah, well, I wasn't no silly them. names there, are there? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I wasn't naming them. There was some clever chap. Good good horses are given good names because they're well thought of by their vendor originally. <laughs> yeah, like, especially the, like the, the Irish point of point horses. They they want they they want to they want to name a horse that's going to catch somebody's attention mm. when he's won his point to point and he's going to to the cell. So, mm. um, so that's what they're trying to do. And yeah, you've got you've got the best named horse in training, J Track Park Homes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's because of the. That's because John Roman's got park homes and J Trans Building Company. So put a lot of thought into that one. <laughs> you don't need to be French. Um, <laughs> Nick Rust has announced this week that he will leave his role as Chief Executive of the BHA at the end of this year. So it's going to be a very long landing. But is it going to be a smooth landing, Maddie Playle? I think that's the main thing, isn't it? We talk about his sort of reign. There's been plenty ups and plenty of downs. It, obviously, it's a challenging position. But racing is going to go through, I think, quite a turbulent time in the next couple of years. I think we're going to come out of it well. But maybe it's not ideal that we're going to have this sort of changing of the guard at the BHA and, and what indeed the, the B, B 
BHA, their sort of role will be going forward. Um, so it might not be ideal. Yeah, the only thing I'd say is that he will have been in the job six years. I know it's time's flown. It's kind of a hard job to do for much longer than that, isn't it? It's, it's A, thankless, and B, probably pretty stressful for all that it's well remunerated. Yeah, I think so. It's, um, it is a tough job. We were discussing it earlier. It's hard to govern when you can't actually govern. completely govern. You know, if you want to go in there and make things happen and make things change for the better, that's great as long as you don't have to actually dumb your ideas down and change what you want to do because someone else doesn't agree with it. Um, but, you know, I think from my point of view, he handled the equine influenza, I think he did really well. Um, and the way they handled that, I, I think a lot of people saw it as an overreaction, but actually when the results started coming back clean, it gave everyone a lot more confidence where we were and, and going forward we're well on top of it. And that's something I think some other people can't say. So I, I think that was very well handled and I think it was nipped in the bud and got on with. And his most significant success was presiding over the closure of the loophole to... Um, charge levy on offshore wagering, uh -huh. exactly. wagering companies based offshore. Exactly. Um, a big, big change that I think is, um, you know, absolutely fantastic. And as I say, there's been lots of, lots of ups and lots of downs. Be interesting to see what happens. Those were this week's Talking Points. Maddie Benjo, thank you very much. Luck on Sunday. Proudly sponsored by Albastiet Cruel Dubai.